If you're looking for a quality Kickstarter marketing specialist, I recommend the folks over at Next Level Web. They charge flat fees with an easy monthly agreement and they get serious results. Their goal is to get you funded on day one and their rate of success for that is above 90%, regardless if you're a veteran or a first-time creator. As a client myself, I can personally attest to their quality as they have helped me raise tens of thousands of dollars for my own projects. So if your email list looks pitiful, but your game is awesome, head on over to nextlevelweb.com slash kickstarter and take your marketing to the next level. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we got a little special episode in a different kind of way. Uh, obviously, the guest is a special guest, a good friend of mine, Mr. Jamie Stegmeyer. But he and I are here to uh, to talk about the Board Game Design Lab, to talk about the podcast, to talk about kind of where we've been, where we're going, different things that are happening. And uh, I'll just tell you right up front, this, at least for the foreseeable future, is the last episode of the Board Game Design Lab podcast episode 301 i wanted to be able to say well you know i did 300 plus episodes i feel like that's a, a fun little you know tidbit of <laughs> information to be able to say to people yeah i've been on done over 300 episodes but uh anyway jamie i really appreciate you being here welcome back to the show yeah thank you for having me for this this what i what i think will be a really interesting conversation um given that you usually do most of the asking of questions and most of the listening uh, you've had some incredible guests on your show, and I'm excited for you to be the guest today <laughs> to talk about your experiences with the podcast and everything else going on with uh, your life and your company. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone who understands narrative, understands storytelling, any good storyteller will tell you that you usually want to end the story where you started. And this story began in 2016 with my very first guest, which was Jamie Stegmeyer. You were kind enough, humble enough, gracious enough to to come on a show that no one had ever listened to or heard of. And you have just been an incredible person to get to know over the years. And so I felt like it was fitting to have you on as the quote unquote final guest. And we'll talk about what that means here in a little bit. So, uh, yeah, man, let's, um, let's, let's jump into it. I don't really know where to begin. I don't have a bunch of notes or anything like normal, <laughs> you know, normally I have like a list of questions and things I want to dive into. Let's see where we go. But, um, yeah, what, what do you think? Well, let me start by looking back. Yeah. Cause you've done, this is the, you've done 300 episodes before this. Yep. Um, and you've done a lot more than just filming podcasts. So why don't you do a quick recap for those who maybe are joining you just for the first time. Talk about um, just very briefly what you have done so far. Yeah. So in general, the Board Game Design Lab started off as a way for me to connect with the gaming hobby, the gaming industry in general. Um, I looked into a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, I was just getting into taking game design seriously. I'd been doing game design for fun for years, you know, just as a way to kind of disconnect and, and relax. And I had a, you know, several pretty stressful jobs and, and working with the homeless and working with orphans in Honduras and, and stuff that like just, it takes that out of you, man. And so you, you need something to get your mind off of the the craziness that, you know, is daily life sometimes. And that's what game design was for me. And um, I was living in Honduras at the time. It was 2016 when I started the show and it was just a way to be part of something. And it was also a way to learn and grow and get better as a game designer and call it content. 
you know, it's funny. I've talked to several people and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's I love how interested you are, you know, in the guests or, you, you know, you ask good questions. It's like, well, that's because I I don't I have never once done an episode that I was not excited about. Not once. And it's part of my qualification for a topic, qualification for a person coming on the show. You know, I've said no to a lot of people over the years, no to a lot of topics just because it's like, eh, I don't I don't care. You know, and I didn't want to just kind of phone it in. Um, and so I've always been interested and it's been a lot of fun. And I've gotten to know some great people and learned a lot along the way. And then the Board Game Design Lab podcast turned into mm-hmm. so much more than I ever thought. I thought, you know, if I can get 10 people to listen, that'd be great. And then it took off <laughs> a lot more than that uh, cared about it. And now the Facebook community, it's got right at 12,000 members, which wow. blows my mind. Um, yeah. I think it's the biggest active Facebook community for game design. Um, mm-hmm. There was a bigger one that just had to kind of close down recently because of some other issues um, just kind of related to nothing scandalous, nothing bad, just kind of the way things worked out. But um, so yeah. I, I think BGDL group is the biggest now, which is crazy. Uh, it's a wonderful group, best place on the internet. It's the only reason I use social media. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> um, tons of encouraging, wonderful, kind, helpful people in there. And, um, and, and we like to keep it that way. You know, where we don't, mm-hmm. we don't do drama. We don't do all the, the crazy that goes on in a lot of other, you know, social media uh, spots on the internet. And so that's been phenomenal. And I can't take full credit for that. You know, I was telling you before the show, it's like, I feel like a lot of this has happened more in spite of me than because of me, but just an incredible community that's come up. So you have the podcast and then the community. And then um, I've written several books now and and done all sorts of other content things over the years, some things that worked really well, some things not as well that, you know, didn't make any money or lost money or nobody cared about, you know, that happens. It's, it's all about playtesting and iteration and, and trying something new. But, um, man, it's, it has been a wild ride for five and a half or so years, man. And, um, anyway, and you've been there along the way, you've been able to see it from the outside and the inside and different, at different points and helped with a lot of things. And so, yeah, it's just, just kind of been crazy. Well, and for me, I, I am mostly uh, a, a listener of the podcast. Um, it's one of the podcasts that whenever you have a new episode, I get excited about it and I listen to it almost right away. Um, and so it's exciting. It's exciting to, to be on again. It's been a little while since I've been on because I, uh, but I know you don't like to talk about this. The stats is, I don't think you even look at them all that often, but do you want to mention, you said 12,000 people in the Facebook group, which is mm-hmm. incredible. Do you have a rough idea of how many uh, people have listened to your podcast or how many listens have have gone through your podcast over the years? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, like you said, numbers aren't something that drives me. Um, Bill Walsh, which was the Hall of Fame head coach at the San Francisco 49ers back in the day when they were winning Super Bowls and had Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. players like Joe Montana and Steve Young, Jerry Rice. I mean, just some of the greatest teams of all time. And he was being interviewed. Yeah, okay. And uh, he was being interviewed one time. And um, people were asking him, you know, how do you win? You know, how do you, what's your secret and all that kind of stuff? And he said, here's the deal, guys. The scoreboard takes care of itself. I don't worry yeah. about the score. I'm not worried about the points and all this stuff. If we do what we're supposed to do at practice and we, we run our game plan effectively and we block and we tackle, the scoreboard will take care of itself. And that's really hit home for me. It's like, I'm not going to get concerned, not much, about the numbers and worrying about downloads and people listening. It's like, I am going to do the best I can to create good stuff. And I feel like, the scoreboard will take care of itself. And so, yeah, it's not something that, that drives me. It's like, oh, I need, you know, this many by this time. I don't know. But <laughs> I did look at the numbers earlier today. And um, so the show has been downloaded 2,106,000 times. So 2.1 2 million, million downloads. Which That's incredible. It's cra- that's crazy. That's ludicrous, man. That is That boggles my mind that 2 million plus times 
I have been in people's ears, <laughs> you know, that they can listen <laughs> to me chat about game design. You know, this is about as niche of a topic as you can find. I mean, board games in general yeah. are pretty niche. And then board game design is like niche of a niche of a niche almost. And so that's, that's crazy. And so my, my hosting company also tells me an interesting little stat where it gives me like, it's called impactful listens. Um, yeah. And so 84% of the time, people are listening to 75% of the episode or more. So, you know, most of the time, vast majority of the time, people are listening to the end or almost the end, which means a lot. You know, you were talking about before the show, like YouTube, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, and I don't right. know other people's stats as far as their podcast, but that means a lot that people, they want to listen till the end. You know, it's not like, oh, this is boring. And they, because I mean, we live in an era where you're competing against everything. I'm not just technically competing. I don't know. I don't look at it that way. But anyway, against other podcasts, I'm also against Netflix and, and Hulu and going outside and doing anything you want. And I mean, yeah. and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok. I mean, there is no shortage of things to do and watch and listen to in this era. There's too much, honestly. And people are still listening and they're listening mostly to the end. And that means a lot. And it, it tells me that, you know, I've been able to do something right for the most part where, you know, it's content people care about and they get inspired by. And I've gotten so many messages over the years from people saying, Hey, I really appreciate the show. Uh, it inspires me to do this, or I came up with this really cool game idea. Um, I just had a Kickstarter for $400,000, you know, whatever uh -huh. it is because of the show helping me do this that, and the other. And then, you know, another thing is people going through hard times and the show has kind of mm -hmm. been an escape, you know, a way to, disconnect from I'm at the hospital. I'm dealing with this really tragic, terrible situation, but mm -hmm. I can sit in the waiting room and listen to a podcast and I can go somewhere else. You know, I, I have to be here physically, but mentally I can let my mind wander to something a little more, uh, not depressing. <laughs> yeah. And, and that yeah. has meant a lot because that, I don't know, man, it, it's crazy. Like I never thought, like I've done a lot of mission work. I've done a lot of service and, and working in ministry and working with the church and stuff like that, where you kind of expect, for people to experience, you know, some kind of help, life change in some mm -hmm. way. But now with a game design podcast, you know, like I didn't set out <laughs> to go, hey, let's change some lives here. But yeah. I've gotten so many messages over the years um, from people that the podcast has meant a lot more to them than I ever thought it would. And it's it's humbling in a lot of ways. And um, I'm getting a little emotional here. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's just been crazy that, um, that people have, have been along for the ride and continue to want to support what I'm doing and, uh, and be part of it. And I'm not going away. That's nothing we'll get into in a minute. I'm not just disappearing and riding off into the sunset. You know, I'm not sure what to, to call this episode. Exactly. Um, see you space cowboy was, was one idea for a, a, a title of this episode, kind of referencing cowboy bebop and that final uh -huh. episode there. But, um, anyway, I, I feel like I'm rambling and just kind of reminiscing a little much, but, um, but anyway, that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> Yeah, that's the point of this this conversation too. And I, I know I I think it's wise. I think in general to not look at the numbers all too much. Yeah. Uh, even just today, I happened to click on my YouTube subscribers, and then I was like, oh wow, that's that's a pretty good number. And then I clicked back on it. I shouldn't have, but I clicked back on it like an hour later, and I had lost two subscribers. And it was like, this is why you don't look at this number. Like it doesn't matter. People come and go. That's totally fine. But I think the point of of uh, the two million numbers, two million plus numbers. For you is that you've had a positive impact on a lot of different people in, all, in, in many different ways, as you said in, in your summary there. So I think that's incredible. And um, hopefully I, maybe I can speak for everyone listening to, uh, to say thank you for the time that you've spent doing it so far. And I hope there is a future for it. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, 
300 episodes and so consistently. Uh, how, how have you kept up that consistency and has that ever been a burden to you over time? Um, how, how consistent you come out with these episodes over the last, what, six years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, roughly. Um, yeah. I mean, basically 301 Wednesdays in a row now, mm-hmm. there's been a podcast that aired, you know, yeah. um, and the same number of Mondays that I put out an email. Now, every now and then with the email, like it's been a couple of times where the email system got weird and it went out on a Tuesday or something like that, but it was done and ready to go on Monday morning, I promise. But um, it's it's one of those things that early on, I mean, before early on, like before I started, I made up in my mind that I was going to commit to this. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't like, oh, we'll see. No, it was like, I'm going to do this. And I can't remember the number. If it was like, I'm going to do this for six months or something, but it was like a, a... a set. Okay. I'm going to do this for this amount of time and I'm going to see what happens and I'm going to commit to it and I'm not going to miss. And whatever I tell people, that's, that's what's going to happen. And that really started when I was working with the homeless in Atlanta. Um, Mm -hmm. when I first started off, you know, even if you're serving a a people group or demographic, a a community, you still have stereotypes and ideas about things that, that probably aren't right or aren't true. And, early on with the homeless, it was like, okay, you know, we're going to serve lunch at a soup kitchen and we'll tell people we're going to serve at 12 o'clock. And we might open the doors at 1215, 1230, you know, cause we were late for this or the, the food took a little longer to cook or, you know, somebody showed up and, and we didn't have everything we needed, whatever it is. Right. There's all sorts of reasons, yeah. but you're in the back of your mind. You're like, ah, it's fine. Where else do they have to go? You know, mm-hmm. this is free food. You know? And that was kind of my, my mentality until let's see, it's my second year working in Atlanta doing that, that I spent a week on the street. I went out and I just had a bag with some extra pairs of underwear and a book and my, my ID. And mm-hmm. that's about it. And I went out and I stayed in the shelter and I slept under the overpass and I ate at the soup kitchen and I did normal daily life of anyone experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Cause I wanted to see it from that side of the table. You know, I, I had been on one side of the table always with the, the food and the scoop and, you know, serving. I wanted to be on the other side just to see it for real. And doing that opened my eyes to so many things because I started to understand the mindset people get into because I would go to a soup kitchen, maybe for breakfast. And they said, yeah, we're going to open at seven. Like, okay, cool. I'd get there at six 30. I'd get in line. And Atlantis is like early September. So it was hot. It was humid still, you know, and you're out there waiting in line and the sun's out and it's beaming down on you and you're getting sweaty and you're sticky and, it's seven o'clock and you're like, Hey, y'all said y'all open and we're not open. And now we're all out here. And, and your mind starts doing weird things where you're like, well, maybe they're not going to open and I'm hungry. So maybe should I go somewhere else? Should I go try mm-hmm. this other soup kitchen down the road? And, and what, what if I get there too late and they're already out of food? And then, mm-hmm. you know, and so you, anyway, your mind starts playing all these tricks on you and eventually they place it open at seven fifteen, seven twenty, Um, and you get in there and then the food might be stale and the food's not high quality. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. But you don't see that until you're on that that side of things. And um, after that experience, I swear, man, we haven't been late to open again. Um, if I tell people 12, we're opening at 12. Like, we are going to make that happen. Yeah. And I think that carried over into the podcast. That's a long way to say, you know, when I tell people, hey, I'm going to release an episode on Wednesday, it's like, you can you can count on it. That is, that's, yeah. that's my word. And um, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to commit to that. And I'm going to make that a priority. Um, and that's also been a challenge here as the years have gone on and more opportunities have come along, it's been harder and harder to stick to things because I got too much going on. And, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. But um, you just, you just commit to it and you, you just say, I'm going to be consistent and 
I'm, this is a hill I'm going to die on. And there's mm-hmm. been times, man, where it'd be like Tuesday at two o'clock in the morning. And I realized, oh, shoot, I haven't edited a podcast yet. And I got to go do that. And I'm up until 3.30 or 4 o'clock a.m. Because that's what I said I would do. And if, if it means not getting much sleep, well, it's it's my word that's on the line is how I felt. Uh-huh. And um, not that people necessarily cared. It wasn't like they were going to come, you know, burn everything to the ground <laughs> if it was Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning. I don't, I don't think that. But it's just consistency is so important no matter what you do, whether you're talking about life or sports or marriage or with your kids or business. You know, people know when they can trust you and count on you. Um, it's definitely been the case. And I know in, in your own stuff, you, you know, you have stuff you do like every every Wednesday. You get that video, with it, that Facebook Live video, and you're talking about the mm-hmm. company and talking about games coming out and stuff like that. And people, they know when to tune in and they, they show up and you have been able to build that from just a handful of people to now you get, you know, hundreds of people watching on a Wednesday because they know you're going to be there. And so let me turn the question around back to you. How have you, cause that, that's been, that was my experience. I committed to it. Yeah. I said, this is what I'm going to do. No questions asked down the hill. Is that something similar for you or, or tell me kind of your experience trying to do the same consistency? Yeah, I think my approach has been, uh, definitely, uh, making cons- consistency a really, really important aspect of, of the content creation side of things, uh, the YouTube videos, the Facebook Live. Um, I do a daily Instagram post. It's, it's getting in these patterns of doing them. The one thing that I might add from my experience is that I tried, um, or I've tried to stay flexible to see over time uh, what, ty- what type of consistency works for me. Yeah. Because I think you can go into it, like a new content creator, someone starting a podcast today, they can say, okay, I want to do it like Gabe did. I want to do it every week. But they might quickly learn that maybe they want to do, instead of doing an hour-long episode every week, maybe they want to do 10 minutes twice a week. Or they want to do, I don't know, a much longer one once a month. Or whatever they end up feeling is fulfilling for them and uh, fulfilling for their audience. So I've kind of, I've given myself permission over time to let that evolve. Um, And where it is right now, I, I would say for my videos in particular, I used to do it, like, whenever I'd play a new game, I'd film a video right away about it. And now Tuesday is my filming day. I, I only film on Tuesday. I can even, like I played a few games the other day. I was tempted to do videos today, but I was like, no, today, like today isn't my filming day. I want to I spend today doing game development, game design. I have other things that I want to do today. And if I keep letting that spill over, that might eventually interrupt the flow of what I do. But having it as a single day where I, I work on it, that has really worked for me. And you, and I don't even edit, like you edit your podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious how long it takes whenever you do an episode and it sounds like you do have a filming or recording day. Do you, do you find that's helpful to have a consistency? Oh no, you probably work around your guest a little bit. Yeah. When do you record and how much time goes into each pot episode? Yeah. So basically what you're talking about right there is time blocking and saying mm-hmm. on Tuesday, mm-hmm. you know, this time to this time, this is what I do. And yeah. that is so huge, man. And I do that as much as I can. Obviously when you're doing a show with other people involved, you can't always do that, but you can yeah. at least have like a perfect idea and then try to stick to that as best you can and then be flexible enough when, you know, not everybody can meet on those days and those times, especially because I, I interview people on the other side of the planet sometimes, you know, yeah. people in Australia and, and Europe and Asia and stuff like that. And say, like, well, you know, my, my three o'clock is not your three o'clock. And, um, and so figuring that out, but, um, and then also having, it, it also helps because other people in your life understand that schedule too. Like my mm-hmm. wife and my kids, they understand that certain days, certain times, this is what dad does. And mm-hmm. so like right now, everybody is out of the house. You should not see any people walking by the windows back here. <laughs> there hopefully shouldn't be any screaming children running around um, because dad's doing a podcast. And so they went, I think my, my wife had to get some groceries and they're going to go to the park for a little while and they'll be back in a little bit because that just, it just works better for everybody. 
Um, yeah. especially because I need, I need all of the internet bandwidth right now. I need it. And so, <laughs> you know, no Netflix, no iPad, nothing like that. And, um, so it works. And, but, um, but having that consistent schedule, kind of everybody can get in that rhythm, everybody can get in that routine. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so my schedule for years now has been edit on Tuesday, launch on air the episode on Wednesday. Typically I try to record on Wednesday afternoons. So that was been, that worked mm-hmm. out really, really well. Um, based on my school, like when I was teaching in Honduras, teaching English, Wednesday afternoon worked out really well. Um, Sunday afternoon worked out well for a while, and then Wednesday kind of became the day. But, you know, now I finally moved back to the States um, a couple months ago. Now it's a little more flexible because my schedule is a little bit more my own and I can kind of do things as, as I need to. Um, mm-hmm. But then that's also been a huge issue too. And this is something else we can get into is when I was in Honduras, I had I had just an abundance of extra time because there was nothing else to do really. Where I lived, <laughs> it wasn't a lot going on. And with the pandemic over the last two years, Honduras has been super locked down. Like there was mm-hmm. one at one point where you were only allowed to leave your house once every two weeks. And it was based wow. on your ID number. So like a number one, if your if your ID ended in number one, you could leave every other Monday. And if it was a two, every other Tuesday. And that was like that for a while. And so I just didn't leave the house much. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I had all this extra time to do so many different things, but now living in the States, there's so much I want to show my kids that they've never been able to experience. Um, this is the first summer in eight years of having this family that my kids can actually, you know, we can go do stuff during the summer. This will be the first summer I've ever been able to spend with my children. And mm-hmm. I am looking forward to that. I'm super excited about going to the water park and going to the zoo and going to all these things. Now, Honduras had a zoo that was right up the road from us. They had a three-legged jaguar, which is fun to watch. Um, it's kind of this rinky-dink <laughs> zoo. But, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of extra. But now, you know, usually on Friday, I try to take one kid and let's go do something. Let's go spend a few hours up the road in Montgomery and and based on the kid's interest, right? So one, one of my kids, she loves crafts. And so we go to Hobby Lobby like – once a month and we just get her some craft stuff and, and she's trying new things. She's trying drawing, she's trying painting, she's trying necklace making, earring making. And we try right. to go do that once a month and another kid, you know, we, we just go do stuff and that makes things different where I can no longer throw a ridiculous amount of time at stuff because I don't yeah. have it. It doesn't exist yeah. anymore. And realizing that over the last few months, I, it's it become more and more clear to me that I need to focus that I need to step back and go, okay, what are the things that I most enjoy? Because I don't, I don't do anything I don't enjoy right now. Like all the jobs, all the stuff I'm working on, everything. I enjoy it to a certain degree. Um, it's not like, oh, I've got this day job and I hate it and I can't wait to quit mm-hmm. and go into board games full time. Like, no, I love my other jobs. Uh-huh. It's just a matter of what do I love most? What makes the most sense as far as like per- my purpose in life in general and, and what, what helps feed my family the most? Because there's certain things I really enjoy but they don't make any money. And Uh it's like, well, it doesn't make sense to prioritize that over these other things, which I also really enjoy, but they do make money, you know? And um, I was telling you before the show that I read a quote a while back that said, prioritization will always beat efficiency. And so no matter how efficient my time blocking is, no matter how efficient my schedule is and efficient all the things in my life, and if every moment of every day is, is figured out and efficiently organized, that will never beat prioritizing the things that matter most, and then using those priorities to build my schedule. And so that's where I'm at. And it's like, okay, let's, let's cut some stuff. And everything is on the table. 
literally everything. Um, but anyway, so we can get into that a little more here in a minute. But um, yeah, any any follow up questions or ideas off that? Well, one thing you didn't didn't quite get to is I want people to understand how much time you spend on these episodes because oh. to, to a listener it sounds like an hour, but I know that you prepare uh, you write questions in advance um, and you edit in the back end. So just to let people know, what, what does an hour of podcast take you to actually create? You are a good podcast host because I just rambled for a while and then you brought us back to the actual question that you asked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so every episode takes about an hour, hour and 15, well, actually about 90 minutes of minutes. the actual okay. episode because there's usually like 15 minutes on the front end talking to the guest. Yeah. And like, hey, this is kind of where I'm going. Here's some questions. It kind of almost like uh, greasing the tracks, right? So yeah. people can already ha have an idea about what questions I'm going to ask and, and things like that. Um, and then there might be a little bit of a chatting after the episode, depending on different things. So about 90 minutes right. of to make an hour long show. But then, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm writing questions. I'm coming up with ideas. A lot of times I like to research, you know, what games a person has made, um, mm -hmm. anything that they've done. If they have a blog, I try to read that stuff, watch any videos I have and just have always have questions on the back, in the back of my mind that I can pull out if I need to. Yeah. Right. Because some guests, they talk a lot, you know, like in this one, I'm talking a ton, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, some guests it's like pulling teeth and you ask them a question and they say, yes, uh, <laughs> cool. Um, moving on, you know? And so you always want to have more information than you need because, you know, planning well allows you to be more flexible. And so it, it just takes time. Uh, scheduling sometimes is really challenging, uh, right. especially with people in different parts of the world. Um, you know, everybody's, everybody's busy. Uh, the pandemic made it a little bit easier because everybody's at home. <laughs> uh -huh. So the last couple of years have been a little bit easier. Uh, editing. So for the last, I would say, 25 or 30 episodes, I actually have hired a lot of the editing out. I still do the specific edits, like going back in. And like I'll write down as I, as I do the episode, I'll write down mistakes that are made, you know, where someone, if they go, um, 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 you know, if they kind of get stuck on an, um, I'll go back in, yeah. I'll edit that out. Uh, I try to make us, I try to make everybody sound better than they do in real life. That's always the goal. <laughs> and so I'll go back in and do like the spot edits, but then I yeah. hand it off to a guy who's actually part of the board game design lab community. He reached out to me um, a while back and said, Hey, you know, I do this on the side. I do editing. I'll, I'll you know, I'll give you a deal and um, fuse my services. I was like, heck yeah, man. And so hopefully over the last 25, 30 episodes, uh, they sound better that the the mix he does the mixing and leveling and like makes it all you know puts it all together and he does some of the kind of the, the bigger stuff but um but i would say it it took time and a half so if i do an hour long uh -huh. show it would take 90 minutes to edit okay uh, back when i was doing everything now it's like 30 minutes you know cuz i'm going in spot editing and then he's doing a lot of the other stuff and so okay. you know it just just takes time but um yeah actually answers your question it does it does <laughs> So one more, we're almost at the halfway point here. So before we talk about the future, um, just looking back real quick, you've had so many amazing guests on the show. I, I don't, I almost don't really want to ask you to name favorites or whatnot, but were there any um, turning points where you were like, this has, th this is what the podcast is now. And now it's become something different or better. I'm, or I'm really liking where this is heading. Any, any pivotal moments in the history of the podcast that you want to highlight before we move on? Yeah. Well, I mean, anybody could tell my favorite guests because they're the ones that keep coming back. Like they're folks that I keep reaching out to and I was like, Hey, you got a Kickstarter coming up, you know, let's come bring, come on back on the show. Let's talk about something. And, um, it's like you, you've been on the show a bunch. Peter C. Hayward has been on several times. Carla cop, one of my favorite people to talk to. So I, I think y'all three have been on more than anybody. Um, and y'all have had the most downloads, uh, as well. Like your individual episodes get a ton of downloads. You know, the first episode I ever did 
with you, it's got 23,000 downloads by itself. And so there's, there's that, um, episode uh-huh. 20 though, go back to your question. Episode 20 yeah. was a big turning point. That was the Rob Davio episode. And I think it's got like yeah. the fifth or sixth most downloads. And you talk about a guy that's fun to talk to. Like he and I had just such great chemistry, you know? Yeah. And, but that was the episode that I really realized that I could do more than just ask questions where I could actually tell stories and I could share little anecdotes from my own experiences, from my own life, whether it was board game design related or just general. Um, I I had some sports stories I told during that one. And that was a a pivotal moment of realizing, Hey, it can be more than question and answer, question and answer. Like it's, it's okay. I have permission to also talk about stuff. Right. And I don't know. I don't know why that episode. I think Rob is just so easy to talk to and it just kind of happened organically, happened naturally. But then after that, it's like, okay, this is okay. Like it's okay for me to to dive into stuff too. Um, So that was a really big moment Um, around episode 150 was big because that's when I, we were talking about pivoting earlier and kind of realizing what works best for your schedule and and your community. Um, I used to do a bonus round every week. So Mm -hmm. 150 episodes. I did a Wednesday episode, which is about 45 to 50 minutes. And then I would do a bonus little extra thing that came out on Friday that was like, you know, around 10 minutes. So it was still around an hour of content a week, but it was split up into two. And I realized that it would probably be best if I just did an hour show and then didn't worry about the bonus episode. It didn't take a bunch of extra time necessarily, but it's like, I feel like I should just go deeper into one topic as opposed to doing three quarters of my time on that one topic. And then another quarter on some other random topic that didn't necessarily, you know, mm-hmm. so that was a big moment, um, around one fifty. Okay. But, um, yeah, those are the ones that come to mind. Yeah. I like that. And I, and I do, it, it's, I've been listening for so long that I didn't realize that episode 20, that there was that turning point there, but it's one of my favorite things about the way that you lead the podcast, that you are asking great questions, but you are also contributing as well. So it feels a lot more like a conversation and it's also just good active listening. I think, like I've been on lots of podcasts where it, the interview is fun. I'm, I like p- to be asked questions. I think that's great. But as soon as I answer the question, they've moved on to another question. And so I'm like, oh, did you did you actually hear the answer there? Or are we just going through a checklist right now? Is this a conversation? And so I, I love that you realize that. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm grateful for Rob for helping you realize that too in that episode 20. Yeah. Well, that's, that's another thing I was able to take away from ministry and, and working with the homeless. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. had some amazing conversations with people under a bridge and mm-hmm. in a shelter, in a soup kitchen, sitting down, eating lunch, you know, cause most of the time when we bring food, we bring enough for us too. It's not, mm-hmm. here's your food. We're not out there throwing sandwiches at people. Like it's, you know, poverty tourism. It's like, Hey, we brought food. We're going to have lunch. We would love for you to join mm-hmm. us for lunch and let's chat. Let's yeah. get out of the heat. Let's let's talk about life. Let's talk about the Falcons and how they just choked on the last game or the Hawks or, you know, whatever other Atlanta stuff's going on. And mm-hmm. and let's just get to know each other. Um, and you end up having amazing conversations and you have you have to be an active listener with a lot of people in the streets because they're going through stuff. And, yeah. you know, for you just to sit there and be like, hey, what's your favorite color? And what's your mom's middle name? Like, who cares? Like, that's, uh-huh. you know, especially if you're trying to help somebody, you have to actively yeah listen to what they're struggling with. And hopefully you've got some kind of information that you can help them with. Um, and at the same time, they're listening to you. And I've, I've been helped by people in that situation, maybe more than I've helped, honestly. You know, people have helped me and, and give me advice and prayed for me and all sorts of stuff. But um, 
<laughs> some ridiculous conversations too. I remember one time I was talking to this lady and uh, we were sitting down, we're eating pancakes and sausage and, and just kind of like a little brunch. And mm-hmm. she had a hospital bracelet on, had the Grady hospital, the big hospital in downtown Atlanta. And I said, Oh, have you, uh, have you been in the hospital recently? And she said, no. I was like, Oh, okay. Well you got a, uh, you got a hospital bracelet on. I was just, <laughs> just curious. She said, Oh, that's not a, that's not a hospital bracelet. That's the, uh, the bracelet they give you when you become immortal. I said, Oh, Oh, is that a, uh, is that a difficult process? <laughs> she said, Oh yeah. I can't even tell you about it. Can't even tell you about it. I was like, okay. Would you like some more pancakes? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know where to go with that, you know, but you uh-huh. have amazing conversations. And the more you listen to people, one, you, you tell people that you care about them, right? That yeah. you, that you are yeah. interested in them as a person. You're not just trying to get something from them. So that's huge. Yeah. Um, two, hopefully they're going to reciprocate. You know, hey, I care about you. And then the more you care about somebody else, typically, the more they care about you. That's kind of how it works. And yeah. I always want people to know that um, that I'm for them, that I, you know, I'm here to help them, encourage them as best I can. And there's always something to learn, too, man. That's another thing. It's easy to go into any situation thinking you have all the answers. You're the smartest person in the room. But right. you're not. You're, you're not. And so having the humility to go in and, and no matter who you're talking to, to realize there is something to be gained. There's something to learn from them, from their life experiences, something like that. I remember we had a kid one time, he was like 15 and he was making terrible, terrible decisions and, um, blowing up mailboxes and he got expelled from school. And it was just this, mm-hmm. just being a dumb teenager. Mm-hmm. And his mom was like making him do all the mission stuff. She's like, Hey, you have made terrible choices. And so you're going to go do all the Jesus stuff you can. And we're going to mm-hmm. see, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to live at church. And so, I remember he went on one of these mission trips that I was leading and he ended up talking, we were, we were in this area called the bluff in Atlanta, which is probably the most dangerous part of town. Like it's not a place you want to spend a lot of time there if you don't know people. Mm-hmm. And I remember we, we were at this stop and we we're just hanging out and we were passing out lunches and talking to people and just, you know, trying to just be around. And I noticed him talking to this older guy, probably mid forties, late forties. He talked to this guy for like 25, 30 minutes, like the whole time we were there. And we got back in the van and we were driving somewhere else. And he was just like, he was not there. You know, like you could look at him and tell he was somewhere else. He was just kind of processing. And I asked him, I was like, Hey man, tell me about that conversation. He goes, wow, that that guy grew up on the same road where I live, like in my neighborhood. And we, Mm -hmm. we went to the same schools and, and he was telling me about how, you know, he had made all these bad choices and he ended up in prison and he, he had just been out like two weeks, you know, and, and, uh, how hard life had been. And and he's like, when well, I was telling him about some you know decisions I've been making and, and he was just like, give me advice and like, you know, encouraging me. And I was like, huh, there you go. And that kid was so different after that. Like he yeah. changed, everything changed. Um, he ended up working at the church and he ended up getting a scholarship and going to South Carolina to go to, go to school. And it's just a drastically different person because he was willing to listen to a person that most mm-hmm. people in life would tell you not to listen to. Right. Most, most people would say, yeah, I don't listen to that guy. What does he know? Yeah. But that yeah. that guy, that I don't even remember his name. I can't even remember anything about him. But he changed that kid's life in one conversation. You know, because that kid was willing to listen. Um, now, what does that have to do with game design and podcasting? I don't know. But it's just a story that comes to mind as far as how important it is just to, just to listen, man. Let people know you care. And um, you go you go pretty far in life when people think you care about them. Um, yeah. not that you do it selfishly, but it, it, it is something that just kind of works out that way. But, um, anyway. Well, and that's where I think we've all benefited from listening to your podcast. Um, it's, it 
really has added a ton of value to, to me. I, I can't speak for everybody else, but as a game designer, it really, really has been super helpful for me listening to those questions, listening to those answers and those conversations. Um, but I also value you as a person and your time and your priorities. And so where, where are you wanting this to go next? It's episode 301. You're going to take a break, say goodbye for now. And what are you hoping to, what are you hoping to prioritize over the next couple months, at least in the, in the foreseeable future? Yeah. So this is a weird year. You know, there, there are some years to ask questions and some years that answer is what I've learned. And mm-hmm. this is a, a year I'm asking questions. And the question is, what do I want to do? What, yeah. what means the most to me and my family and the people around me? Um, and so I'm in the process of literally cutting potentially everything. Um, so mm-hmm. I just moved back to the States. I was in Honduras for eight years. I worked for the school. I worked for an orphanage for a couple of years and then or for a, a high school teaching English and doing things there for the last five. And my contract is about to end. And so when it's over, it's over. I'm not renewing it. You know, I'm, I'm here now. And so that's one big thing I've been doing for a long time. It's coming to an end. The ministry I've been running in Atlanta um, every summer for the last 12 summers, you know, at the end of the summer, that's it. I'm, I'm passing it off to a friend of mine who helped me start the ministry way back years ago. He's going to kind of come back on board and um, take it over. And I'm excited about where it's going. And he's got some ideas about ways to take it in new directions. And I'm, Pump for it now. I might help out here and there, but you know, for the most part, I'm I'm stepping away. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, the podcast, you know, going to step away at least for a while. Um, you know, I might come back and do an episode every now and then, and chat with a certain designer that I'm really excited about. I've always wanted to have on the show. It just never worked out. You know, might do episode one offs here and there, or talk about something yeah. that I'm working on, or something like that. But you know, I'm stepping away from that. And so, anyone who knows me over the last decade. They probably know me for one of those three things, either uh-huh. the podcast, the mission stuff in Atlanta, or they met me in Honduras doing that stuff. And I'm, I'm just going to walk away from all of it. And I'm going to focus on one board game, my board game business, right? Mm-hmm. Designing games, uh, Robomon, I am so excited about. It's a ton of work. I can't wait to do more. You uh-huh. know, um, it deserves my focus, uh, a lot of focus. Um, obviously now being in the States, my family gets a lot more of my time now. Um, not that I didn't get my time before, but now it's, it's, it's just more, you know, going out and doing stuff yeah. and vacation. I haven't gone on vacation in who knows how long, um, you know, stuff like that. And so prioritizing that, um, designing games, motion games, and then I'm going to try some, try different means of content creation. I've loved the okay. podcast. I've loved this, doing this. I want to, I want to try something else though. Um, kind of taking a cue from you and it's like, let, let's try YouTube. You know, maybe I've got a face for radio. Maybe I have a face for podcasting. (laughs) We'll find out. But um, I've got tons of ideas on things to do uh, YouTube wise and not Uh just talking about board games and board game design, but really talking about creativity in general. Uh, Let's talk about Mm -hmm. productivity. Let's talk about time blocking. Let's talk about how to create stuff that matters, you know, and not just point it at game designers, which I think probably every thing I do will still have them in mind, but also Mm -hmm. talking about just creative Stuff in general, you know, that if you're a writer, if you're a movie maker, whatever, that you will find value in this thing as well. It's like, okay, let's try that. I'm excited about that, man. I've been making videos recently. The school asked me to make some videos. And I think they thought I was just going to take out my phone and like film something real quick, like a little two minute encouragement. And it's like, oh no, we're about to go, we're about to go hard on this thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's been a ton of fun, man. So that tells me, okay, maybe I'm on the right track there and I'm going to do it for six months. And then I reassess. And I think that's kind of where everything is at. Like, let's do it for a little while. Let's put some milestones. Yeah. Let's put some time brackets. 
and then step back and not worry about the numbers, not worry about anything until that moment. And then step back and go, okay, is this what I want to keep doing? Can I be consistent with this? Does this line up with my schedule? Does this line up with my family? Does this line up with what people care about? Or am I getting two views on things? Okay, maybe right. it's not right. worth doing. And let's do something else. I love that method of, of setting aside a certain period of time to mm-hmm. try it and giving yourself that chance. Um, that's how I... When I first decided to go full-time for Stonemaier Games, I gave myself a year. I was like, let's try this for a year. If it works out, great. If 12 months have passed and it's really not going well, then I'll find another job or I'll try to find another job at least. Right. But there's something freeing about having that time period. And like you said, like you, you don't, well, you kind of said you, you might look at those numbers at some point and say, okay, I'm getting two views on this and move on. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to look at that on day one or week right. one. Because week three might be way different than week one. And if you make that decision based on week one instead of week three or week five or whatever time period you set aside, you might be missing out on the future of whatever you're building. So I, yeah. I love that you're doing that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and, and going all in. I think that's another thing. Yeah. So many people, yeah. they they go half. You know, yeah. they, they don't want to take the risk. They don't want right. to jump all in with both feet. Um, they do what I've done in a lot of ways, unfortunately. And that's kind of you dabble in too many things. And yeah. maybe for good reasons, maybe it's because you like all these things. Maybe it's not out of fear or anything else. Maybe you're just like, oh, I like all the things. I want to do them all. But it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You have to go all in if you're going to be excellent. Um, you know, being a jack of all trades is fine, but you're a master of none. It's like, okay, right. how good? Like, that's one thing I was thinking about earlier. It's like, how good could I be in game publishing, designing, whatever, if I focused more on it? Like, mm-hmm. as far as I've gotten, it's been part time. And so yeah. like, okay, what could that be like? And, you know, we'll see, man. And also having the, being willing to watch film, to reassess, you mm-hmm. know, and go, this is not working. Yeah. Let me pivot. Let me do something else. Uh, let me not just hold on to it and go down with the ship. You know, um, recently I, I shut down BGDL plus for that reason. It's like, yeah. this deserves way more of my attention and focus and money than I can give it. Mm-hmm. And so let me, let me call that out. Let me say, hey, this didn't go as well as I hoped. In a lot of ways, this is a success, but in more ways, it was a failure. And so I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to refund money. I'm going to pivot and we're going to do something else. And so hopefully in the fall, I've got an idea about this kind of board game design academy, you know, thing that's not like, it's not ongoing content. I think that's another thing. Mm-hmm. It's like being, being really smart and wise about anything you're going to do that's ongoing versus, okay, I can film a ton of videos and then those live forever, evergreen versus, right. okay, I've got to do this weekly thing, weekly thing, bi-weekly thing, monthly thing. It's like, oh, it's just, cause it's not, it's not even just the thing. It's the bandwidth. Like yeah. you just, and that's been my issue the last year. I've got too many different things going on. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. I'm doing this in Honduras. I'm doing this in Atlanta. I'm doing this with the board game design stuff, doing this with the podcast, I'm doing this with the publishing thing. And even if it only equals, you know, 60 or 70 hours a week total, it's so many different things that the overhead, just the bandwidth cost is way more than if I was only doing two or three things for 60 or 70 hours. And I think that's another thing that anybody listening to this, you know, if you've got an idea, it's like, okay, I really want to be good at this thing. Find a way to cut out a whole bunch of other stuff and and really focus (laughs) and jump all in. So, and it worked out for you, man. You quit your job and uh, things have gone pretty well. Yeah, but I can definitely relate to what you're saying. I mean, I, I still dabble myself in a lot of different things, and I often have to check myself and, and make decisions, like I said, about pulling videos to only right. Tuesdays or filming on Tuesdays. I release them on different days, but I film them on Tuesdays. Or 
re- recently I've I've become more and more aware of how much time I spend on the Stonemaier Games blog every week. Like writing it takes usually an hour per entry. I write two entries per week. But then if it's a blog post that really takes off, then I'm spending so much time on the comments. And if it's one that takes off in a negative way or a controversial way, then I'm spending all of my emotional energy for that day or that week on that post. And that isn't like, doesn't end up being healthy. And so it's, you know, it's one of those things where I love the variety of my job and I get the same sense from you a little bit that you you like that variety, but at the same time, I need to, I need to continue to do better at that time blocking and occasionally cutting out things or outsourcing certain things to other people like you did with the editing so that I can focus on the things that, that I really love and that bring joy to other people. I think it goes, when you do those things that you really love, you end up uh, having a more positive impact on other people as well, I think. Yeah. And I like how there are times where you turn the blog over to other people and other people are writing one of those posts for the week. Right. And so that can take a little bit of the burden off of you, but yeah, I mean, it's one thing I learned years ago is that there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. There's no perfect mm-hmm. answer. There's no magical thing that fixes all the problems. Like everything comes with sacrifice, literally yeah. everything. And the question is, which trade-offs are you willing to make? You know, and right. and and being honest about that and kind of, even if you have to write it down and go, okay, I want to do this, but it, here's going to be the challenges and the obstacles. And I'm going to have to sacrifice this and give up that. You know, I've talked to people that say, yeah, I want to, I'm going to go full time and, and be a game designer. It's like, okay, are you willing to sell your house and, and live in a smaller house? So your mortgage mm-hmm. is lower so that you can afford to make less money for potentially years trying to make this a dream, this dream a reality. Yeah. Are you willing to do that? No. Okay. Then you're not willing to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you have to just yeah. be honest about those things. Right. Are you willing to move to a place that's cheaper to live? Are you willing to go to your spouse and be like, Hey, our budget is about to get cut in half. You know, are yeah. you okay with that? And have that tough conversation. Cause maybe they're not, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. and you just, it's all about trade-offs. And if I want to do other things with excellence, I have to cut things that I love out of my mm-hmm. life. And part of that is the podcast. Part of that is the stuff I've been doing in the summer for 12 years. Part of that is my work in Honduras. Like I'm going to have to start cutting out other things that are good things and I have to be okay with leaving some things undone. Like there's still so many things I want to get done in various aspects of my life that I'm going to have to walk away from knowing that the things I leave behind are nothing compared to the things I'm going towards. Right. Far better. was yeah. thing the CS yeah. Lewis quotes. Like there are far better things ahead than anything we leave behind. And like that's, that's what I keep telling myself. I'm going to have to keep believing and hopefully it's true. <laughs> You'll also probably have to say no to opportunities too. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. like, I think Lydia mentioned this and just yesterday I had a guest post from, from Lydia, um, someone who is our DEI consultant mm-hmm. at Stomar Games. And she said, one of the biggest things about um, being aware of your own mental health is being able to say no at the right times. Right. Even if the opportunity is beautiful and sparkly and exciting, maybe it's not the right time to say yes to it. So yeah. I think I'm sure you will encounter that given how talented you are. You're going to have to say no in the future to some things that you're excited about. Yeah. I made a rule and I've, I've kind of ruffled some feathers, a few people that or you know, people I care about that. Um, unfortunately they said, Hey, you know, can you do this? And I, I've, I've made a rule a while back that I'm not saying yes to anything new for mm. a while, like a long while, mm-hmm. even things that are easy, even something I get an email like I told a guy yesterday, he sent me an email and it's like, I don't think that would take me that long to accomplish, Yeah. but I'm not adding yeah. any new to-do list items, period. Even yeah. if it only takes 20 minutes, not doing it. And, and just kind of dying on that hill too. Um, and, and Lee is right. Like what people don't understand and what I didn't understand up until, I don't know, 15 minutes ago is that saying no means saying no to one thing. Yeah. Saying yes 
potentially means yeah. saying no to a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, <laughs> because you have so much time yeah. in a day and you have so much mental capacity and bandwidth and, you know, and so saying yes is actually a lot more dangerous potentially yeah. than saying no. Yeah. And yeah, I'm hundred percent on board there. And I think that's something all creative people struggle with because we like shiny new things. We want to go do <laughs> something, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. At the same time, though, I can tell how excited you are about Robobon. Um, oh, yeah. I saw you, you had a little video the other day with your daughter that was adorable and also really great. I mean, both of you did a great job on that video. It was great to see what you're building there. I can tell how excited you are about it. What, what's on your mind about it right now? What are you most excited about it right now? Yeah. So, yeah, first of all, Lydia, my daughter, Lydia, turns out yeah. to be like the star of the family. You know, when I asked her to do that, I, she, I don't know, every few days, she'll ask me about the game. Hey, what are you working on now? Like she is just as excited as anybody else about this game. Um, and so that is one thing that helps motivate me, you know, finishing things for her so she and I can, can enjoy it. But um, yeah. it's one, one good thing about this project. It's not just me working on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like I've got, I've hired professional puzzle makers because I'm not a puzzle guy. Like I like puzzles. I am no good at making them. So I hired a couple really amazing puzzle makers. And so what's great about that for me, they send me a puzzle you know, maybe I've given them art direction or kind of a, an idea, like here's where it fits into the game. And so like, I kind of know of the puzzle, but then uh -huh. I get to do it myself and I get to yeah, experience yeah. it for the first time. And I typically get to fail at it and not be able to figure it out for a while. And then eventually figure it out. Oh, okay. Here's this is cool. And then, um, yeah. and so I get to enjoy aspects of my own game fresh for the first time, you know, which is hard because typically as a game designer, you design it and you enjoy it. Like you experience it for the first time and it's trash and it's right. awful. And then it's just like a long process of making it better, but you never get uh -huh. that moment of playing it for the first time when it's good. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like you just, yeah. cause you've hit all the iterations. So that's one thing that yeah. really helps the artists, several artists that I've got working on it, whether it's doing the kind of, um, the journal cards, which are almost like the, these pencil sketches of the Robomon. Like they're coming up with these ideas. Like maybe I said, Hey, I want an Eagle. Hey, I want a Komodo dragon or something like that. So I've got yeah. an idea, but then they come up with it. It's like, oh, shoot, this is awesome. So that's one thing that's been great. Um, the art, I get to enjoy it fresh. Um, and then the, the world, man, it's just such a fun world to live in and experience and run around mm -hmm. in. And I'm excited to share that with other people. And I hope they enjoy it as much as I am enjoying, you know, messing around with it. And but it's a it's a monumental task. Like it is so mm -hmm. big. There is so much content and so many things to tweak and figure out and balance and stories to edit and reread and make sure that you're, you're given the right items here and not too many items there. And like, it's just right. a, a massive project. And, um, yeah, I just can't wait for people to experience it. And, um, I hope, I hope they love it because I've spent too much money on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and got a long way to go. It's, it'll still be another year in development after the game found campaign, just cause there's a lot of content. Um, and uh -huh. you know, hopefully shipping and manufacturing speeds up in that time too, but we'll see. Hopefully. Yeah. So you're wearing your designer hat and your publisher hat. Are, have you had to make any sacrifices so far or any key choices so that the game is as uh, appealing as possible to audiences while also, you know, I don't know, fitting your budget, fitting your vision for it, but also, I don't know. I, you and I wear that hat. Not a lot of people wear that hat. So I mean, or both yeah. hats. So I'm curious if, if you had to encounter anything there, making any, make any tough choices so far. Yeah. I mean, well, you always want to add more. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I want to have 150 different types of Robomon. It's like, well, that's a lot, yeah. man. You know, maybe yeah. maybe 50 is good, you know? <laughs> um, uh -huh. So you always want to add more stuff. So that's, that's a challenge. Actually, one of the biggest, it, it turned out to actually save money. 
Um, originally, the game, the combat, um, the battles, it had this very modular system where okay. you, as the player, you were putting trees and rocks and like putting all the terrain mm-hmm. out, and then and then you were doing the battle. Yeah. Well, that was cool, and it offered a lot of different variations. But the problem was, it took it took longer to put the terrain out and get the battle ready than the battle mm-hmm. would actually take. And it's like, well, that that doesn't make sense, and you know, making the game last too long. And, yeah. and so instead, we put the battles inside the adventure book. So where when you open up to certain adventure pages, the battle is already laid out. The grid and the terrain and everything is already there. And all you have to yeah. do is put out the Robomon tokens and you're off to the races. And, yeah. and that's cheaper, actually, than having a whole bunch of yeah. chipboard and all these extra things. And so that yeah. actually worked out really well. Whereas like my vision initially was, was too much, too big. It didn't make sense. And cutting it down made it cheaper and faster and more fun. Um, so that's, that's been a big one, but yeah, art is a big one because this is the kind of game where you can have as much art as your heart desires and just limiting right. and going, okay, right. let's, let's not spend a hundred thousand dollars on art necessarily. <laughs> like maybe that's not the best way to go. But, uh-huh. And I know you've got your own game you've been working on and you probably run into similar situations where, you know, game we've been talking about for years, it seems like. And so let me turn that question back to you, man. I think people want to hear about that from your perspective too. Um, I know you, you can't talk about it too much because it's not a game that's been announced, but yeah. similar challenges, I'm sure. So tell me tell me your perspective on the, the same topic. Yeah, I mean, I had one, I had a, a breakthrough recently with, uh, like it's, it's mostly a, there are a lot of cards in the game, like oh, well over a thousand cards. And uh, adding like one more card doesn't add that much of a cost, but I, I, right. I am constantly making a choice of, you know, am I going to add, the next 20 cards because that's 20 more pieces of art that's 20 more cards to fully design to, to make. But I, um, it's one of those things where like the luxury of time is nice. You, I think both you and I have been working on these projects for quite some time. So yeah. I've learned a lot from other designers along the way. You mentioned the storybook idea. I don't know if you got that from Ryan Lockett or any of the people who made these storybooks, but it's neat to see all these am- amazing other games come along the way and they've been inspiring for me. But, uh, but as they come up also, I'm like, Oh, okay. That's really cool. Um, like uh, th- this video game called Elden Ring came out a few yeah. months ago. Mm-hmm. And similar to The Legend of Zelda, or Zelda Breath of the Wild, which was hugely inspiring for me, Elden Ring has has kind of been the next big open world video game. And so it's given me even more ideas. And so I, I really have started to have to say, no, I, I, can't, I can't add anything more to this world. I need to focus on what's already there yeah. and make it fun. Yeah. Right. I understand, man. And then another challenge is, when you do a project like this, again, you're saying no to almost every other project because you just don't yeah. have time and bandwidth. Yeah. And yeah. especially when you're a publisher, because you're doing a million other things as well. And you have other games that other people are designing. And that's been that's been fun for me to kind of start yeah. signing games from other designers and giving people an opportunity to get into the industry and make some money. And right. but you have to say no. So and so actually it's kind of funny. I um I read your post about your blog post about Halo, the TV show, and yeah. you have really been enjoying it. And I think I dislike it as much as you like it because <laughs> I love the video game. Like I've played countless uh, hours of the video game and the show is just, it's not what I was hoping for. But yeah. out of that kind of frustration, yesterday I took a moment to step away from Robomon and start working on a Halo inspired board game, right? It's like, well, okay. I can't make a TV show about Halo. I don't, you know, whatever, but I can make a board game. And so I started working on that and I did it for like maybe an hour. Uh-huh. And then I stepped back and I was like, I need to finish Robomon. 
<laughs> you know, it's like, I, and it was fun little design exercise and who knows, maybe it comes yeah. back around one day in the, the future. But it's like, let me, let me stop because it's not that I'm wasting my time, but I'm not getting the main thing moved forward. I'm yeah. not making progress on the thing that is the absolute most important thing in my business right now. And, and that's another tough thing, man, when you do these big projects, like you're just going to keep having to say no to other stuff. Otherwise that, that big thing will never get done. Like it will yeah. m- live forever. And it's like, Oh no, we got to get this thing out. And so that's a nice stuff. I do like that. You still took an hour for it though. Yeah. I think that's, I, I've done that many, many times where I just pull out a single piece of paper and I brainstorm on that single piece of paper. And then I put it aside. Uh-huh. I, I keep put it in my file cabinet somewhere, but getting it out of my head. Yeah. Let's me f- go back and focus on the thing that's really important. Exactly. And yeah. it can also help you overcome certain blocks, certain writing blocks, sure. challenges, design blocks, where you just need oh, to yeah. step away and do something totally different. I, I did the same thing months ago where I designed a golf RPG board game. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think I spent uh, like a whole day on that one because um, yeah. I was stuck. Robomon was just overwhelming at the time. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm like drowning in this thing. And so I just yeah. took a step back. Let me design something totally different. That uh, who knows, nice. maybe a golf RPG board game comes, <laughs> comes out one day, but um, I just needed to get my brain in a different, different place, and so yeah, it was really helpful. And um, yeah, that's nothing I think new designers really struggle with, they get so locked into that one baby of a design, yeah. and then they don't get the to experience. Like, no, let me take a step back, let me just let it sit on the shelf, right. shelf for a while, and let me do something different because there's so many advantages to doing that. Yeah, I completely agree, and it, yeah, it makes me a Curious about what, well, it makes me so curious about Robomon in particular. And I like that you put out that video. Do you think you'll do, now that you're doing the YouTube thing or that might get into it, are you going to use some of those videos to talk about your game design and your process? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. Okay. kind of a mixture. Cool. Um, I've got ideas about just general creativity, productivity, advice, help, and, and telling stories from my own experiences and, and stuff that I've really related to, different books I've mm-hmm. read or videos, you know, to bring in and talk about. But then also people really value real life stuff. To say, yeah. hey, here's a project I worked on. Here is yeah. how it failed. Here's how it succeeded. Here are things that I learned from it. And one thing yeah. I've learned over the years is that failure is the absolute best teacher. But mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be your own personal failure. Like you can learn from other people's <laughs> failures and and yeah. kind of un- unpack what they did wrong, unpack what they did right, and then try to emulate the good and get rid of the bad. And so, yeah, definitely um, bringing that, those ideas, not only to say, hey, here's a thing I made and you should buy it. But to say, hey, mm-hmm. here's the thing I made. Here's what I learned. Here's the obstacles and the challenges I ran into. Um, here's the fun right. parts. Here's the stuff that needs work. And yeah, definitely doing stuff like that with you know, books and games and other videos and, and things like that. And so I'm excited about that. I'm also, <laughs> I've got <clears throat> several ideas that I call these inner self videos where uh-huh. it's almost a conversation of me and me. But my, okay. so it's kind of funny. The voice in my head is very country. It is a redneck and a half. <laughs> and so it's like, would it be interesting to make videos where it's me talking to the redneck voice in my head that uh-huh. has terrible advice and terrible ideas and oh, you know, no. wants me to think, you know, less or less of myself or too much of myself. There's never, it's never just right, you know? But uh-huh. so anyway, just having fun, you know, having, making these kind of interesting videos that, that hopefully people uh, get enjoyment <laughs> out of and, and learn something. But, um, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about Robomon because I mean, over the next year and a half, man, that's it's the main it's the main project, and I'm sure a lot of a lot of content's going to come out of it. That's great. But I look forward to the variety. I mean, it sounds like you're going to have a fun variety, at least in the beginning. You probably see yeah. what works, what doesn't work, what you have fun with, what you don't have fun with. Um, exactly. But yeah, I look forward to the especially the beginning and the variety. And I hope you put a link uh, to the channel on this video on this uh, podcast so people can mm-hmm. go find it easily. Yeah. 
um, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be really cool. Right. In some ways that, that content will just kind of pick up where the podcast leaves off. I'm going to take most of the summer okay. off from doing almost any content creation, but then going yeah. into August, that's really when it's like, okay, let's go time. Let's do this. And so, you know, and I, and it, because it still relates, it's still stuff that I can post in the board game design lab community. It's still like stuff I can put out oh, in sure. emails, you know, because yeah. it's not like, Hey, check out my new cooking show. It's like, no, this is still related yeah. to board game design and people trying to create stuff. And so it, it still, hopefully yeah. people still, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. I, I, I definitely, I think it'll be a smooth transition over to see, seeing what you're doing on the, on the YouTube channel. Are you going to talk about, I think you kind of said this a second ago, but are you going to talk about games that you're playing? Um, Cause I've heard you talk about games and uh, kind of in the game design perspective side of things on the podcast, mm-hmm. but you know, there are lots of many, many content creators, myself included, who talk about a specific game on, on a, on a, on a video. Yeah. Are you going to do any of that or talk about what you're playing or, or will that just kind of come up in conversation organically? You won't, you won't actually focus on it. The plan right now, as far as that kind of stuff is I would, I would have a topic and you do this a lot as yeah. well. Will you say, Hey, here are my top 10 favorite worker placement games. Sure. And so I think it'd be more like that. And, okay. but it won't even yeah. necessarily be specifically mechanism or game design related. It's more about creativity related. And so okay. it would almost be like experience. And so let me, let me tell you about my top five favorite experiences and it might be a movie, it might be a book, it might be like okay. an adventure, like choose your own adventure kind of thing. It, it would be a yeah. game, a video game, where I kind of bring in a bunch of different stuff and say, here are cool things that I've, I'm enjoying, and here's why. Um, yeah. As opposed to you know a list about games I'm playing and, and things like that. And honestly, yeah. it, part of that is because most of the games I play right now are with my kids. And it would be uh-huh. like the same episode every single time. Like, <laughs> check out this new version of Jenga that I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but now uh, as, as time opens up and I have more time, I'm looking forward to playing more games and this summer, hopefully when I'm in Atlanta, I've got a lot of friends in Atlanta that are huge game players. I mean, I don't, I don't have to buy any games because they buy them all and then I just get to enjoy them. Is that nice, kind of those nice. kind of folks? It's kind of like a boat. You don't want to own a boat. You want to have a friend that owns a boat and then you just get to go out on the boat and then they have to deal with all the <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I I use the same analogy for the for especially in my twenties. You need a friend, one friend who has a pickup truck, yeah, because uh, they can help you move. Right. But you don't need to own a well. I you're in the south. You probably I don't know. Do you have a pickup truck? I do, I do, yeah. and I help yeah. I help a lot of people move. Honestly, yeah, there yeah. you go. Right, it's one of the reasons I got it. It was seriously. It was let me get uh, a truck uh, to help people move because I've needed help moving and I needed to uh-huh. rely on somebody else with a truck. Let me switch. Let me turn the tables. Let me be the person that you can call with the truck and you just buy the gas money, <laughs> give me gas money. And then well, of course now yeah. that's maybe too expensive, but, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Well, this has been a really fun journey to look back. I appreciate you talking in particular about all your experiences with the homeless. I haven't heard you. I've heard you mm-hmm. talk, talk a little bit about that, but not so much in one place. So I really appreciate that. And it's exciting to hear what you're working on in the future and that you're focusing on, on your family and Robomon and eventually on a YouTube channel. I'm really excited about it. Is there anything else that you want to, that you want to leave people with as you, yeah, for now and this chapter. First of all, I've got, I got a story I want to share that came to mind and hopefully people can take something away from it about the importance of empathy and the importance of people and caring about people. And I think that no matter what you're doing, creativity or, or not, it matters. But before I get into that, let me just let people know how thankful I am. Like, I don't take any of this for granted. Like, this is crazy. Like this started way back, you know, 2016 with a handful of emails to people I thought would never respond. You being one of them where I just reached out and said, Hey, I'm, I've got an idea. I want to do this thing. 
here's my plan and let's see what happens. And it turned into a life changing thing. And I don't take any of that for granted. I am so humbled by how many people listen, how many people are part of the community, how many people have, have just allowed me to be in their headphones, you know, and have sent me messages of encouragement and kindness over the years who have stuck with me through good and bad and hard times and good. I mean, just an amazing group of community of folks in the community that I am excited to continue to serve. Right. Uh-huh. I, again, it's kind of a see you later, not goodbye. It's a, Hey, I'm going to not do this, but I'm going to do some other stuff. And with the intent of still being a part of this whole thing. Right. So yeah. I want to make sure people know how much I care about y'all that, that listen, all the guests have been on the show, all the people who have contributed and helped me make this as good as it could be story that I'm reminded of. So years ago in Atlanta, we were serving lunch at a, a soup kitchen and I had a group of high school kids with me, about 15, 20 kids. And then, you know, leaders and stuff. And we try to get the kids out of the kitchen. It's like, let, let us old folks cook the pancakes and the sausage and, you know, put the food on the plates and stuff like that. But we want, we want the young people to go out there and just like get to know people, like go mm-hmm. broaden your perspective of life and sit down and talk to people. And we give them obviously their safety rules. And, you know, it's not just like, Hey, yeah, jump into the fire. But, um, anyway, this, this group of high school kids was sitting at a table talking to a guy named Clark and right. Clark, you know, he'd been around a lot. I'd seen him a lot over the last year or two. You know, he's a guy that had been experiencing homelessness for quite a while. And he was there and they were eating pancakes and stuff. And a couple of the girls that were at the table, they come into the kitchen. They say, hey, it's, it's Clark's birthday today. And he's like, oh, shoot, that's, that's awesome. And, um, and so they made him like a big old stack of pancakes. And I don't know where they found mm-hmm. candles, but they found mm-hmm. birthday candles at this place. And they put birthday candles and lit them. And um, wow. I got up in front of everybody and kind of made an announcement. Hey, you know, everybody, it's probably a hundred and something people in the room at the time. And it's like, hey, everybody, it's Clark's birthday. And we're going to sing happy birthday. And, and we're going to, you know, celebrate Clark today. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a hundred people in this room singing happy birthday to Clark and they put the stack of pancakes down in front of him and he's just crying, man. Like he's just emotional, just beside himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we finished the song, he blows out the candles and everybody cheers and it's just a cool moment. And a little bit later, maybe 30, 45 minutes later, he got up to leave and I met him at the door and I said, Clark, how old are you today? And he said, man, I am 60 years old today. I was like, wow, 60. Well, you know, happy birthday. Um, glad, you know, glad you joined us. Appreciate you being here. And so before you go, I just got one quick question. When's the last time somebody did this? Like somebody mm-hmm. celebrated your birthday. You know, you had a can or had candles yeah. on a cake and, and sang the song and that kind of thing. And he and he yeah. stepped back and he just kind of thought about it for a moment. And then he said, Man, the last time I can remember that happening, I think I was 15 years old. Oh wow. I was like, whoa. You mean to tell me it's been 45 years since somebody said, Clark, today's your day. It's special. We're going we're going to make you a cake and we're going to sing you a song. We're going to celebrate your birthday. He said, yeah, man, it's been probably 45 years. You know, we didn't change Clark's life that day, mm-hmm. but we changed his day. Mm-hmm. You know, we, with, with nothing, with pancakes, which, you know, mm-hmm. like 25 cents, you know, worth of pancakes. <laughs> like, but yeah. just taking time, taking a moment to say, this person is special and today yeah. is special and we're going to treat them like they matter. We're going to treat them like they're a person. We're going to give them at least a moment that, you know, it's very difficult to change somebody's life, but you can change their day. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've carried with me for the last 10 years of realizing it doesn't take 
giant acts. It doesn't take these big, huge, expensive things. It's just common courtesy, kindness, empathy, taking an opportunity to celebrate somebody and to love them in a small way, whether it's with a conversation or to relate this to game design, to create something that people can enjoy for a short amount of time with the people they care about, the people they love, have a moment to laugh, to, to play a game and have some fun together. And I think that's ultimately what I'm trying to do. And what I hope other game designers are trying to do is just create moments. You know, you're not going to change somebody's life with a game more than likely. I hope you do. But you can change their day. You can change the next 90 minutes of their life life, and let them have some fun. And um, and that's with all creative creative ventures. You know, whether you're creating YouTube videos or art or movies or whatever, you just give people a moment where they can just have an enjoyable moment. And um, anyway, I think that ultimately what it comes down to is just trying to do that as much as possible for as many people as possible. And if it also, you know, helps me pay my bills and put food on the table for my family. Obviously that's the bonus. But mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, it's just, just trying to care about people, trying to love people and, and serve in whatever way I can. And, and through creativity, I found is one of the absolute best ways to serve other people and help other people. And um, not that everybody has to do it that way. You know, plenty of people yeah. do this to make money and, and, and that's fine. But um, from my perspective, that's kind of how I feel. And so anyway, Jamie, I really appreciate you being here and um, just taking the time to listen to me ramble and, and talk about life. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for, for all the ways that you've let us celebrate with you through the podcast over the last six years and through your games. And I look forward to the future. I, I, I want to celebrate the past, but also look forward to the future. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for your time today too. Awesome. Well, Jamie, um, I don't know how to end this thing, but uh, I guess thanks for being here. Thanks for your time. Thanks to everybody listening. Thanks for your time. Good luck with, you know, all the games you're working on and good luck with everything we all have going on right now. All right. Take care, Gabe. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?